Have you ever worked with a sibling or family member? If so, how did it go? Now, could you imagine starting a business with one? On today's show, I have Nicholas and Stephen Service, identical twin brothers who founded Service Events, a private dining service based in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. You'll learn how the brothers pivoted during the early days of the pandemic to start their business. I think you're going to be inspired by their commitment to sustainable cooking, and if you're a personal chef or hope to be one, I hope you'll pick up some practical advice on how to possibly grow your business. This is Chris Spear, and you're listening to Chefs Without Restaurants, the show where I speak with culinary entrepreneurs and people working in the food and beverage industry outside of a traditional restaurant setting. So I've taken a few unplanned weeks off from the podcast, but it feels good to be back. Did you miss me? So the Service Brothers began their culinary journey at Middle Bucks Institute of Technology, where they both enrolled in the culinary arts program. They then went on to earn their associate's degrees in hotel and restaurant management from Bucks County Community College before honing their craft in professional kitchens. Their passion for farm-to-table cuisine flourished during their time as chefs de partie at the Mainland Inn, where they tackled everything from full animal butchery to gardening and so much more. Later, while volunteering at Quarry Hill Farm, Stephen learned about the WOOF program, a travel-for-work opportunity on organic farms. So when the pandemic forced the brothers to leave their restaurant jobs in 2020, seeking inspiration, they moved to Maine for two months to work on Flying Pond Farm, where their vision for service events began to take shape. Today, Nicholas and Stephen share their story and passion for culinary arts and sustainability, combining their love of cooking with their dedication to being stewards of the planet. And before we start the show, I just have a couple quick words. As always, if you go to chefswithoutrestaurants.org, you can find links to all of our social media accounts, including our Instagram and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to subscribe to our newsletter or add your info into our chef database for possible gig referrals, you can find those links as well. And this week's show will be right up after a word from this week's sponsor, the United States Personal Chef Association. Are you a personal chef looking for support and growth opportunities? Look no further than the United States Personal Chef Association. With nearly 1,000 members across the U.S. and Canada, USPCA provides liability insurance, certification, lead generation, and more. Consumers can trust that their meal experience is insured and supported by USPCA. And now, for a limited time, save $75 on new membership and get your premier listing on Hire a Chef by using the code TAXBREAK2023 at USPCA.com. That's capital T, capital B. Plus, if you have products or services to sell chefs and their clients, showcase your business on Hire a Chef and USPCA websites with our great introductory packages. To learn more about membership, advertising, or partnership opportunities, call Angela at 1-800-995-2138, extension 705, or email A-P-R-A-T-H-E-R at USPCA.com. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. It's really good to have you here today. I think you know that I like to start the show by talking a little bit about backgrounds and such, so why don't you give me a little overview about how did we get here? How did you end up starting your own personal chef private dining business? This kind of came from kind of out of the blue from some girl. Uh, when Nick was the head chef at this restaurant, uh, it's called Ardena. Uh, he opened that. They started doing brunch service and they had a, a lady who came in, you know, very frequently. And uh, her and Nick knew each other on a, on a kind of like first name basis. And she came in one day and she asked the server to, um, to ask him to make her daughter vegan pancakes and uh, Nick made it for her 
and I walked it out to her and she was so happy and so grateful for it that she came back about a week later and uh, she kind of pulled him aside and says, Hey Nick, do you guys do private events? And began being the chef of the restaurant and he was thinking she was asking about that. And he's like, Oh, we actually just opened, uh, we don't really have package deals right now, but you're here all the time. We could probably get a manager and fill some paperwork out and kind of, uh, you know, get something together for you. And she kind of pulled him in a little closer and was like, no, 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 like you do private events. And we always laugh and joke with like the guests we get kind of comfortable with. And we're always like, I don't have fucking time for that. Like, no, I can't come cook for you in your house, sleeping in the closet here and stuff. Um, that was, that was also before COVID. Yeah. So, you know, we are both chefs in restaurants. So like thinking about going to cook at somebody's house outside of work almost seemed impossible. Um, and yeah, so he came from that night and he kind of told me about it and we started talking about, um, like LLC names and shit that we really didn't need, uh, to get started. And, uh, you know, that was, again, like you said, before COVID. So as quickly as we kind of thought about it, we got swept back into work and, uh, nothing really ever came from it. Until months, months later, we went and took a trip up to Maine. Uh, we watched a documentary called The Biggest Little Farm on Hulu. And uh, we were really inspired by that. And we looked back into uh, the program called Wolf. And if you ever heard of what Wolf is? Only through your uh, website, I found it. I had never heard about it before. Yeah, yeah. so uh, just for anyone who is listening, Wolf is uh, Worldwide Opportunities on Organic Farms. And I found out about this when I volunteered at a farm to get a job in a farm table restaurant. Uh, they told me it's a way to travel for free. So again, you offer your work and you get free housing and free food from the farmer or the wolf host, uh, if you will. And so um, after watching this documentary and being kind of stuck at home and nothing really was going on, uh, we decided to go take a trip to Maine and live on this farm for two months. And while we were there, we shared the idea that we had uh, with the family. Well, it was like right before we went to Maine also, uh, he wasn't working in his, in his restaurant at all. They closed completely for six months without doing anything. I was only doing like a day or two, just take out kind of stuff. And he cooked for our grandparents yeah. and uh, one of our close our close friends that we met through the restaurants. Uh, and kind of did this whole kind of private dinner. I always forget about that. Yeah. And uh, so we kind of had the idea, but nothing set in stone. Never really thought it could ever be a, a business. Yeah. And then uh, when we went to Maine, we kind of shared our idea and shared these two, you know, dinners that he has done already. And the family kind of really took this idea, really took it in and processed it and kind of like gave us all the tools that we kind of needed to think about how to actually run this as a business, not just like a little kind of side project. So let's let's kind of pause really quick and kind of shuffle things around. We'll we'll get right back into this. You guys were you're both cooking and we'll get into your background a little bit, but you were cooking in restaurants up until say COVID, right? Yes. Yeah, so literally up until cook. So from, you know, 15 years old until COVID. Uh, so literally again, until the day on March 15th, and they said, you can't fucking work anymore. I remember, you know, packing up the French onion soup that we were going to pull out in two weeks and some things we could freeze that we could use again when we came back in two weeks. And like, you know, I remember the whole mindset of like, all right, this is what we can use. This is what we can't use. Taking this home with you because it's going to go bad if not. And and never went back to that restaurant again. <laughs> Where were you guys working? Were you at the same place? No. So I was at a place called Slate Blue. It's a small French bistro in Dolestown, where we're from. And uh, I was the opening executive chef at a place called uh, Ardena Food and Drink. It was like a Mediterranean restaurant, wood fire pizza, and the canned pasta. Um, and we we opened right before the pandemic we opened yeah. two, two months two and a half months prior and uh yeah that was fun 
So you guys were both, what, like laid off, furloughed, just kind of indefinite break? Whenever that scenario was called. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, and trying to wait off. Um, like he said, he was doing a day a day a week. So. But it was all kind of, I don't know, it was all, you know, kind of <laughs> under the table yeah, at that point. So everybody can kind of touch on employment like we were told that we should do. So, yeah, I was probably only working once or twice a week, only doing takeout uh, and all that kind of stuff. And we actually had a sister restaurant called Casey Prime, which is a steakhouse. So I was sous chef there for like five years. And um, we essentially merged both of our kitchen staffs into our one restaurant, and we're doing both menus out of our one kitchen, which oh, was, yeah. yeah, which was a fucking pain in the ass, but, you know, right, you had to do what you had to do to kind of survive at that point. So when did you guys then decide to go to Maine? Like, what was that? So like that was, time? I think, I think it was, uh, like, the first few days of May. Again, man, we just watched this documentary. Uh, it's called The Biggest Little Farm, again, for anyone who wants to check it out. And um, the idea of the documentary is this couple buys a farm in LA, and uh, the the concept of the farm is that everything has to be in harmony with nature. And we talk about this at all of our events, and and the example I always use is when a coyote comes and eats your chickens, you don't just kill the coyote, because the coyote is kind of keeping balance of our ecosystem around us. And if you can manipulate that ecosystem to work for you, it'll naturally sustain, you know, um, stay sustain your farm. And we kind of took that documentary and we, you know, we like most chefs, it seems like love the outdoors, love gardening, love all of that. So we kind of took that as our fuel, if you will, yeah. to kind of walk back into this program to kind of make this change or to do this kind of life changing, uh, kind of thing. Because when we heard about this five or six years prior, we just weren't in the right headspace. We'll do it. Have all these things. There was on. there was no time, no money, no confidence. Five six years ago, now we're at home. The government's tongue must be held. We have time, money, and we were really good and confident at what we were doing. So it all kind of just aligned that uh, it was kind of a, a a good time for us to go do something like that. And then we talked a lot about um, like the idea that like skills are perishable, and we were sitting on our fucking couch all the time, like. Not only do you lose the physical culinary skills, but you lose like the mental discipline, the mental toughness that you get in a kitchen. Um, and so we kind of say like, for lack of better words, we were starting to feel soft. And, you know, we didn't really want to want that. We put a lot of time into kind of being the people we are. And so we were trying to look for literally anything we could have done at, at, at that point in time to just keep ourselves progressing and keep that kind of attitude and and that behavior, I guess, going. And, uh, and that was kind of the, the outlet we found. And thank God we did. Yeah. They really helped us kind of make this into more of a reality and um, give us kind of some cool ideas and concepts that we brought back with us and put into all of our events. So what kind of things were you doing when you were up on this farm? So uh, it was all um, organic vegetable farm. So obviously most of the time just weeding. Yeah. Did tons of weeding. Um, but we kind of took that, which was cool. And um, we did a lot of our, our own stuff educating. So when we were kind of hanging around the house, again, we also helped with, you know, doing some baking and we did butchering. Uh, we slaughtered and eviscerated chickens when we were there. They, the family, again, because we got very close with them, uh, allowed us to do things that never let anybody else do. Yeah. Um, so like we, we were, you know, making fresh cheese, you know, yeah. baking bread every day, making yeah. tortillas, like the whole bag, you know, canning, yeah. all the things that you would do on like a homestead, you yeah. know, well, this family did. And we kind of say, like, when in Rome, we just hop right into what they were doing. Yeah, we just did everything they did. Because we were there to really learn and to kind of grow, like, we had questions about everything. Everything. It wasn't yeah. just the farming practices and stuff like that. It was like, dude, 
how did you guys do this? Well, yeah, you know, we were there to learn yeah, about organic farming, but also about sustainable living. Like that's what we want in our own personal lifestyles. And we want to live that kind of whole life. It's, this isn't just something we preach about. It's something that we actually, you know, want to also do and to lead by example and going and learning how they, how they lived and what they did and what it took to do that was like a really cool eye-opening experience, uh, that like really inspired us to come home yeah. and do the same thing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I guess in, in a nutshell, a lot of weeding, yeah, uh, a lot of harvesting, yeah, edging, launching uh, lettuce. And yeah, like we were saying, like we, we took the weeding aspect and everything and we would self-educate ourselves on identifying the weeds we were picking. And we also started kind of doing with our, because of our chef background, we started doing a lot of the inventory and a lot of the like, I don't know, like the harvesting and like the composting and like we kept track really well of like what we brought in, what's going out, how they were doing the orders, what we composted that day. Cause we were harvesting, it was our first time planting cucumbers. So like we were harvesting like honestly bro, like a thousand pounds every couple of days. Yeah. And they, they were only selling like 200. So they were just like, all right, compost on whatever, you know, do what you can with them. But so just, you know, having my background with that, I think helped us a lot, uh, being able to kind of run the show for them. And it was exactly what they needed at that point in time with the, the kind of family issues they were having and having us there was, was really good for them. Did you have experience doing that stuff before? Like, were you gardeners at home? Have you done Have you done butchering before? Yeah, yeah. So at the uh, it was it's called the like mainland inn. So I volunteered at Quarry Hill Farm when I first ever heard about uh, wolfing to get a job at the mainland inn. And that situation was like, um, you know, Quarry Hill Farm presents the mainland inn it was like their sister, you know, restaurant, whatever. So we did all the butchering and stuff from there while we were working at the mainland. You know, we were tapping trees and making maple syrup. We were raising bees and spinning honey. We did our own hot sauces, our own vinegars, our own cured meats. We took care of the whole garden outside of the restaurant. We did a herb garden, flower yeah, garden, you know, that kind of stuff. We did a big grow up in the basement uh, in, in the like, wintertime, just growing herbs and lettuces and things like that. So yeah, it wasn't like major experience, but you know, no, no. Just like, I'm sure as you know, like we're fucking workers, bro. We can go do anything. So going on this farm, that's all they asked for was, yo, if you could actually just work. And we had no problem doing that. So we fit in really well there and they really appreciated us. And we had to learn a lot. And we love being outside. We love being in the dirt. Yeah, we love being dirty. Right. So uh, yeah, that was just fun for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. For you, it's been a garden back at your house, like back home. So it's funny. So we had like all of these big ambitions of what we learned in Maine and what we were going to try to do when we got back. And, uh, I planted the garden before we left and I went to Maine. I kind of told my girlfriend, like, just let it go. Does It doesn't matter. You know, she's not going to take care of it. Kind of like go to shit. And so we had all, like, and things were growing and we we're getting big plants and everything like that. And so we had this big ambition of all these things we were going to do and we're going to buy an apple tree and we're going to blah, blah, blah. And when we came home, um, I guess we had like a really, for the first time, you know, kind of with COVID, uh, the earth got to kind of recover a little bit. And so we had like a really good winter here in Pennsylvania. And so we have like a big sugar gum tree next to our house that I think ended up growing a couple inches in, in every kind of direction. And then after we started kind of getting into working the soil and kind of adding some compost to it, like our soil was so much clay. Yeah. So it was like as hard as the desk that I'm sitting at. You know what I mean? And Mine too. That's what I've done. You know. And then just with our business starting to kind of take off and things getting started, and at this point in time, it's just easier for us to buy it from other people. Uh, I know we absolutely will. Yeah. And again, we have herb gardens and we have little things that we have just always around the house and we're doing little stuff. But to have an actual garden right now is, is not something we, that we have. It's we're, a ton of work. I mean, this yeah. past year, even when I had like slow periods with my business, it was still a ton of work. The weeding thing, 
Like, if you guys ever want to get paid to come weed my garden, I'll pay you to like come. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot. But so I, I try and grow things that like people maybe that I can't buy. Like I have some really cool heirloom seeds, but like if it's just going to be tomatoes, I'm so much better just buying them from someone around here. There's a funny saying that goes, um, tide, time, and the garden stops for nobody. You know, so no matter how slow you are, how busy you are, like that shit's still growing out there and it's not going to stop for anybody. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of just always funny. I think every time we've gone away for a week and we have a garden, you come back and it's like 10 times bigger than it was. Uh -huh. so, uh, well, at least the weed just had it bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's yeah. completely dead because someone didn't take care of it for you. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like one, one or the other. So yeah, we we definitely love we love all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, we, I mean, we have like we we like do a lot of foraging in the spring yeah. and summertime. Um, we'll have on our menus the you know, wild forage pestos, and we do a, a pickled ramp out every spring. Um, that we really enjoy and, and stuff like that. We love doing the mushrooms. We forage mushrooms a lot. Uh, we don't serve those. We eat them ourselves. Yeah. So how did you really start the personal chef business? Like when did you start that? And what did that first event look like that you did? We had this idea coming back from Maine. We actually cut our, our trip two months short. We're supposed yeah. to do it for four months. We stayed only stay for two. We came back. We took about three weeks really to like kind of reassimilate back into like reality and just decide to zone. <laughs> there was a, in Maine, we were also we were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So like coming back and seeing all the traffic and everything we had here was kind of like a readjustment period. And then we kind of just said, fuck it. Well, and I put it out. We we always as chefs, and I'm sure you're probably the same way, coming up in the restaurants, we always felt some sense of loyalty to the restaurants we worked with. So we didn't want it to reflect poorly on us. We just came back and didn't tell our restaurant that we're like, oh, hey, we're running our own business. We were both offered oh. our jobs back. That's that's why. We were both, when we were away, we both got letters saying, hey, you're, all, you're welcome to come back to work, you know, whatever. So we both had these offers to come back. That's why he's kind of saying, like, didn't know if it'd be a bad thing. If I came back, it wasn't like, hey, chef, just so you know, I haven't talked to you in eight months, but I'm not coming back to work. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we got to a point where we just said, fuck it. And yeah. we just made an Instagram page. Um, and because this is what we've been doing our, our whole professional, uh, or adult, our, our uh, adult lives, like when we put something out saying, like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. It was almost how people were kind of like, it's about time you're doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So our first, our, <laughs> our first event was not great. I mean, it was, it was okay, but like, it's okay, but it's funny looking back on like what we wore. Yeah. And like, what we were thinking about, like, you know, what we started, we didn't know what we what were trying to portray back then. Like, again, first time we're like, there's nobody telling us what we can and can't do. So like, didn't really know if we wanted to wear the chef jackets or if we wanted to like, I don't know, just be more t-shirt casual and kind of be more of ourselves. And, uh, and so it was just funny looking back on pictures and just seeing like what we were wearing and. Yeah, while we were serving, the food was still good, but yeah, to see it wasn't as like as it is refined now. Yeah, so we actually uh, last month cooked again for the first strangers we ever cooked for when we first started like two Octobers ago. Yeah, and I, uh, I know that they they told us also, but like their experience just now compared to the first time fucking blew it out of the water. It is cool to see and to now hear guests tell us like, yo, every time you guys come here, it's way better. So we, we, we kind of, like, I'm sure like, you know, kind of take it on yourself to look at what you're doing, adjust it a little bit, think about better ways to do things. And, you know, we kind of keep telling ourselves that we just keep making little improvements over time. We're going to have major change. Yeah, we'll have a major, a major change. Yeah. So we did our first, we came back and put, put this out and, um, 
I would say, you know, we've done a lot more since then, but you know, from that first weekend event, we've done at least one a week or a weekend, you know, since then we're now doing about three or four a week, uh, which is kind of right where, where we want to be. It's been kind of cool. It's been a lot of fun. You know, again, the people we get to meet as we do it and to see how it's like constantly growing. Uh, it was funny when we were first starting, like being excited that like our filing cabinet started to fill up. Like, oh, I'm getting more papers in my filing cabinet and all this, like. Just those little things that yeah, we've never done anything like this before or ever had anything of our own kind of like this. You know, we were always just restaurant dogs for the last. So did you have any years. business experience? Because that's what I find a lot of people like they're chefs, they're restaurant people, but running a business like a real business is very different. So we have our social security and hotel and restaurant management. But aside from that, no, yeah. like we, we kind of keep joking around we sit down with the calendars now and all this kind of stuff. We're always like, listen, bro, like, we are back of the house trained chefs and that's it. You know what I mean? I never did any of the front of house management or any kind of like closing the books at the end of the day or so no, in that sense, no, we don't. But, um, our dad's been entrepreneurs all life, you know, we've kind of been around it a little bit. You're never going to be ready and you're never going to know everything. So your best bet is, is to just start. And once you start, you're going to learn as you go and you're going to figure it out. Like. You don't have to be an accountant to start your own business. You don't even know how to have to do your own banking to start your own business. Like, so we've been finding a lot of that stuff of just, as you go, like it almost forces you to figure it out yeah. and, and to, and to find out how to do it. And yeah. so, um, that's kind of just been the major thing for us is just getting started and getting the clientele and get some money coming in so we can keep doing things and work our way through it. And, you know, and now we're just, we're getting into kind of the serious aspect of things and getting into doing our own taxes for the first time and, and all that kind of cool stuff. Or not cool, but <laughs> stuff you have to get done, right? And, yeah, and I think, yeah, exactly. I mean, it does feel it does feel cool, and we take pride in the fact that like we can generate our own money, and we can pay our own taxes, and we can do all this kind of stuff. And where are you finding your customers? Um, it's mostly honestly word of mouth. You know, yeah. like like we were saying, so we've been in this same Bucks County area our whole lives, essentially. Our parents uh, have been here, you know, almost yeah, our lives too. Um, you know, we have, for lack of better words, like a very good like. We hate reputation around here. So like you said, when we didn't start this, a lot of people were like, yo, great. It's about time. And someone came in to try it. A lot of referrals, a lot of word of mouth and social media. Yeah, man. And then our own website. And that's yeah. really it. Um, we don't, we don't pay for marketing ads. We don't pay for like direct mail campaigns. Like we don't really do anything of that. Cause we had just been seeing that word of mouth kind of gets the job done. And, um, it's been, I guess, extremely beneficial. We obviously, we hand out our own pamphlets to everybody at our events. You know, we talk about it everywhere we go. We have them in like, you know, local shops around town. Then I'll just sit on the counter and, you know, whatever. Uh, but that's, that's kind of really it. And um, I think the fact that we use only local companies and local produce and local farms. So when we go and we talk to the people who work there or the farmers and this and that, they then tell all of the people who come there about us and yeah. So it's kind of just this being community driven. It takes a village and yeah, we got a whole village kind of around us. Yeah. That is really helping us. Yeah. yeah. How far do you do? Like, what's your kind of travel radius? Like, do you feel like you're going to have to expand that at some point? I, I know like local only gets you so far at some point and then you kind of have oversaturated. We, yeah. did, we like, you know, we try and source locally. That does not mean we only serve locally. Yeah. So like we've gone to all the beach towns. I, where are you? Um, I'm in Frederick, Maryland, so I'm like two and a half yeah, oh, yeah. hours away from Yeah, we've gone to like, you know, down down to Jersey. We're from Pennsylvania, like Southeast Pennsylvania. So, you know, we've gone down to New Jersey, which is about 
two and a half hour drive. You know, so you talk five hours of driving. Like, you know, we'll only do that for for bigger parties. Yeah, you know, like, eight, ten people, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, but our our average our average drives about forty minutes. You know, a half hour, usually forty minutes. Yeah, wherever we go. Yeah, I don't know if it's good or bad or not. We honestly, we have no problem traveling or coming to you. If you seem like a really great person, if you, you know, we're going to have a good time with and, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff, you know, obviously our time is important to us, but, um, I think nourishing people and serving them good food and kind of raising the awareness of what's around us is more important than that. Um, so we, we will, we will kind of go the extra mile to come further than we have to, uh, to, to do this because we also fucking love doing it. And how many courses do you guys normally serve? And like, what's your price point? I mean, it's seven courses and it's two hundred dollars a person. And no pushback on that with pricing. Like, how do you find no? Again, like, so it's one of those things. Like, I don't, I don't want it to sound this way either. But like, it's one of those things that if you say like, oh, this is too expensive, then like, you just are, are you aren't a sure. client from us. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, we've heard that, but we've also had people who've been with us seven times who tell us that their our prices are are too cheap. Um, again, like we bring absolutely everything everything like we try to make it so if you're at a restaurant what do you bring to a restaurant you bring yourself so we try to make it that literally you come into your own kitchen and you sit down and you get up just like you would in a restaurant that's it and that is it you know we bring the menus we bring napkins we bring water and water glasses we bring a flower bouquet we bring you know a speaker for music if we need if they don't like they don't have it on their on their own we bring all the cookware all the plateware all, all the silverware and again, and then we take it all back with us and clean it up at our kitchen. So there's no cleaning up in your house. There's no clanking dishes yeah. around while you're trying to eat and enjoy a meal. Um, it's it's very in and out for us and very intimate and special for the guests. And then we do a lot of interaction. We do a lot of this. There's a lot of conversating. There's yeah. a lot of talking. You know, there's a lot of our personality that comes through when we do these events. Yeah. Um, people love hearing our stories and we love hearing theirs, which is the most important thing to us of why we try and why we do these smaller events you know we don't do you know we haven't done yet or anything like that we don't do the micro weddings you know our biggest party has been like 11 people and you know because we get to now meet everybody over there you know like i want to leave here like knowing your dog's name and knowing your kids and you know we want you to kind of know the same about us and, you know we're this is more than just serving you food it's about trying to you know create um connections and community and relationship building and i think because of that you know we and we We've had guests who have booked with us seven times. You know what I mean? So like there's things like that that like we're starting to see now because we've had the last year just, you know, again, like he's kind of saying, just just saying yes and going out and doing these events as far as they were or whatever it was, like we're seeing all of those relationships now start to come back. And, and mostly everybody who, who reaches out to us now is from, oh, you cooked for my cousin or, oh, you cooked for, you know, my girlfriend's sister over here. And, oh, I saw your pamphlets in the store here and they you know, they had great, great things to say about you. And then as far as menus go, how does that work? Are you kind of working around what your customer likes? Do you guys have a set thing? Seven courses is a lot of dishes to do. Obviously, if you hate beets, we'll obviously work with you to make something that you like. But um, we change our menu every single month. Uh, that's why we were saying that we've had people book with us seven times or so because they want to try the new menu every single month. So we change it every single month with what's coming out, what the farmers are, are producing, with what local people are having. It keeps us excited. It yeah. keeps them excited. We had our set menu. It's always updated on our website. We always send out an email campaign telling everybody about it. And uh, like I said, if you don't like it or if you absolutely hate 
whatever we have on the menu, we will then at that point yeah. work with you to figure something out if you really, really want to have us. Yeah, you know, we've had people like, you know, um, we, we were doing a lot when we first started, like pick your protein kind of thing. Like, you know, chicken and vegetarian was one price, steak, duck, lamb, fish, pork, whatever else was uh, another price. And then we have like steak and lobster as another price. And um, as we've got into the winter menus, not as like colorful or fun as it might be in the spring and summertime and stuff. We kind of got rid of that pick your protein option and now the menu is more so set and we kind of incorporate meats kind of throughout the menu. Whereas we cook mainly vegetarian, um, but we're trying to highlight like local produce, everything. The menu is mostly vegetarian until the entree. But yeah, every month we try and change it. We try and stay relevant. We're trying to do different things. Uh, again, like, like you're saying, we're trying to keep ourselves familiar in people's eyes and keep people thinking about us and uh you know uh, oh just because you couldn't get a date this month well when you see the email campaign about the new menu you might want to look back into your calendar for you know february see if you have a date in february you want to focus for but you don't get into this thing where someone reaches out to you and says hey you know it's my wife's birthday i really want to do strip steak and make a molten chocolate lava cake we do so no, we, we do that yeah again like like he, like he was saying like we put out this menu because our biggest thing is about creating awareness about local food, eating seasonal, being connected connected to the land. We kind of see this spiritual side of food and food being a medicine and stuff. That's kind of really big for us. Like he said, dude, if you want strip steak and fucking lava cake, bro, we're going to do it for you. Yeah. And like, we have no problem with that. But we kind of do see a lot. They like, a lot of people don't know what they want or they're uncomfortable with telling you what they actually want. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, a lot of people usually just take the menu and, and, and we have before told people like, look, listen, like I know some of these things are a little unique or there might be a little different from what you've eaten and, and, and not to sound like an asshole, but a lot of the restaurants around here are fairly mediocre at least around us. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing that's like, there's a few that are like pushing the envelope and doing kind of cool things. So we've told people like, listen, if you don't have an allergy, just try it, just give it a try. You know, you might find something that you've that you really like that you've never tried before and you know just because you didn't like the way your mom cooked canned beets doesn't mean you like the way that we cook really good fresh local ones you know what i mean look at brussels sprouts now like nobody ate brussels sprouts for like a couple hundred years it's like well yeah because they were just boiling frozen brussels sprouts and it's my number one selling vegetable right now then also going off that like dude we've had so many people tell us if i wasn't in my friend's house trying to be polite and you put this menu down in front of me i would get up and walk away but after sitting here and eating through the entire menu, you have completely changed my entire mind on asparagus or yeah. beets or turnips or whatever. And like, can't, that's all we, that's literally the only reason why I'm starting this. Yeah. Can't tell you how many grown men we've served who've never eaten a radish. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like that. It's just like, this is, it's still wild, you know? And once they, they, once they open their mind to it and they get comfortable with us being there and everything like that, like, they always really enjoy it. And they've told us like, listen, I would probably, you know, think about ordering, ordering these foods when I go out again, or if I see them on a menu somewhere else. What are some of your favorite things to make? Uh, pasta. Hand, hand-rolled pasta is definitely my favorite. We do, uh, like, we offer pasta classes now too, uh, that we're kind of filling up and getting pretty popular with. Yeah. We look at them, honestly, man, like just a lot of like vegetable cookery, you know what I mean? I know that sounds kind of broad, but um, we've always seen like anybody can put salt and pepper on a steak and sear it. And make it taste good and, and put on a grill and char it up whatever but like it's hard to make you know a carrot sous vide with duck fat you know taste amazing you know yeah like we were saying we've taken vegetables and had people be like yo this tastes nothing like you know braised fennel for example yeah. we just had on the menu for the last two months like everyone's always like oh it's so 
licorice and you know anise flavor and i just really don't like that and okay well if you cook it this way and you add these flavors to it like it kind of gets very neutral flavored and it kind of just takes on everything else that's kind of around it and uh and so yeah just i don't know vegetables and uh, yeah rolling pasta and doing kind of dough work like that uh like more food. more hands-on things yeah start starting to like ooh, pastry a little bit more as we're forced into do it now yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh we don't have a lot of pastry training and that that's been cool though because like we were always very concerned with um even even before this with like you know if i take a job as executive chef well then who's teaching me about food which is a very naive mindset you know i see now so we were always kind of afraid like if we work for ourselves like who's teaching us and uh honestly bro i think we've learned more about food and everything else in the past year than we have in any restaurant or you know what i mean yeah. like learning from yourself and pushing yourself and now you get to look into things you actually want to cook yourself and you know which is which is really exciting and fun for us and there's so many resources these days i mean with the internet and the availability of books and knowledge i mean i i tell the younger people you know i'm 45 when i was in culinary school i didn't literally even have the internet until i was a sophomore right like yeah and they didn't even take that as a reference for things so like you had to do a report on like foods of spain i had to go to a library yeah hope they had a book on the foods of spain which you know, 1995 probably didn't really, they had like one or two, you know, and now it's like, I was just telling someone the other day, I taught myself how to butcher a pig's head by watching like a Chris Cosentino, like YouTube video, you know, that's amazing. Exactly. It's so funny you say that, man. Like, um, cause we're, we're like, we're fairly resistant to technology. Like when we were in Maine, we did like some, we made our own aprons. We did like, some, like knitted our own kind of dish rags and stuff. And uh, we'd always say to them, like, how did you guys learn all this? Like, where, where do you learn this from? But well, again, you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, yeah, they literally always say YouTube videos. I'm like, like, like why? Like, why? Like, yeah, why can't it be a book? Why can't it be something <laughs> like this? Like, and so we started to now more so, like, I just learned how to like really make like pasta gray on, you know, on YouTube videos. We did it in a French restaurant like a really classical, like the, the frise way of doing it. But I, I, I couldn't get that to work. I, I, could, I did, couldn't remember all the technique. Uh, so I, again, just watch YouTube videos and got it perfectly. Got it perfectly. Yeah. Like watching someone do something. I mean, reading it. I mean, everyone learns differently, right? Like some people can read it and pick it up. But when you see fully visually. The visuals are probably good for at least, you know, I'm sure chefs like us. And yeah, I've always like wanted to be that way like oh if i read it but like you know we have the old um like you know technique books that are pictures and then trying to explain it and bro it's way easier to just watch a video yeah you know what i mean then trying yes. to piece some of these pictures together and see what they're doing on the in-between and so now what like are you just gonna kind of continue on this path of what you've been doing or are you in or are you integrating new stuff into what you're doing right now we have through our, our backgrounds, we have the understanding, at least in a restaurant, it takes at least five years where you can really kind of say, hey, we were here, you kind of made it. So we understand that we are still and will be for a few years in that growing state. So right now, what we're trying to do or what we see we're going to do is Yo, keep doing what works, keep improving what we're doing. You know, if anything, we'll start you know, maybe doing a fucking little more marketing. Again, yeah, that kind of stuff. And, but... and, and we do have a lot of new things happening. Pasta class is a big one. Yeah, yeah. we started recently doing pasta classes. Uh, again, we were trying to find ways to like fill up weekdays. Weekends fill up no problem. Yeah, sure. As you know, like it's very easy to get people to, to book Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And so the pasta class has been a cool way to kind of do more weekday stuff. It's not as long. It's not as expensive. And then uh, we actually had somebody, which is another thing we're you know, which is 
yeah, adding these little things. We're going to start offering like a wine pairing, a wine class with it. Uh, we had a girl reach out to us for the name Charlotte Adams. Uh, she reached out to us and she has her master's degree in wine and vineyard science uh, from like the University of Bordeaux or some really long French name uh, from France. And so she reached out to us and said, hey, like, yeah, I'd love to work with you. Is there a way we can figure out how to do a partnership kind of thing? And so uh, we're going to start to offer, you know, if you want to pay, you know, X amount of price per person, which is $75 a person, uh, plus the cost of your wine, uh, we'll bring her with us. You know, she'll work with you, you know, to order the wines from local places or people she kind of is associated with. Help you do the ordering. She can either, either pick it up for you and then uh, she'd come along with us to the events and she'd teach about the wine and she'd pour the wine and explain kind of why it's going with each course and, you know, why she chose this and what's kind of special and cool about it. We've told people, you know, we can offer you, you know, wine recommendations we'll send it to a friend and we'll get recommendations but like i'm not buying it i'm not providing it i'm not pouring it i don't even want to open that can of worms really yeah. you know with the legalities and at like least that. at least in pennsylvania pennsylvania is strange yeah, sure. and their alcohol laws are just ridiculous yeah. like we don't even want to even put our foot in there so yeah so having this girl now is kind of our our bridge yeah to that um so yeah we're excited about that but yeah really man like uh, what's next is just to keep pushing, keep going again, meet more farmers. If we could have like three or four, like we call like mother farms where like, yo, we only get from you and you know, we know what's coming. We know you're growing kind of certain things for us, uh, which we do have a couple of these in the works and we have, you know, some, uh, blackbird farm is a big one near us who we sat down with and done, like, went over his farm plans and what he has coming and he took anything that like we would maybe want him to grow up for us. We spent the whole last year just kind of cruising around and experimenting with places and meeting people and going to farmers markets and talking and networking and blah, blah, blah. And so I think it'd be cool to just as we, you know, over the next few years, like really establish the people we want to work with, have these set people that this is what we're doing. They're behind us. We're behind them, uh, you know, kind of relationship. And what hasn't worked for you? Anything like, is there anything you were doing when you started that you've kind of just like shuffled off? Yeah. So we tried to do like, uh, like a three course, like weekday, uh, dinner. That would have been, you know, half the price, which yeah, when, when we say three courses, it's a muse, a muse bouche, a first, a second, an intermezzo, then a third, then dessert. So it's technically five courses, yeah. but we just don't count the intermezzo and the muse bouche. Don't know why we still have to do the work for them, uh, but we just, we just don't. And so doing that was try a oh, way to kind of come in. It'd be half the amount of time. We can be in and out in like an hour and a half. Not, yeah. You know, and it's half the price and, you know, help weekday business. And dude, it was just. Two people is 150 bucks. It was that right. it, there's two of us too. So you know what I mean? Like hey, you guys got to split the money. Like I'm a solo show for the, for the most point. It's not worth it for me to do that. Exactly. And so, so like, that was, that was something that just like, yeah, we, we tried, we did two of them and it was for the same person. And so that was like, all right, we just got to, that kind of, we kicked to the side. Yeah. And we also, we uh, tried doing like kind of like meal prep stone. Yeah. Like, it wasn't really meal prepping. It was like, we would go to our farms and our connections and we would get all the produce and we would make you like a big batch of quinoa sandwich. I'm telling like about, about Maine. Maine. Yeah, so well, when we were in Maine, the family, how they eat, was kind of on like a whole meal rotation. So it was the same thing on Monday, the same thing on Tuesday, the same thing on Wednesday, but it was variety driven. Yeah, you were never tired of it. So we saw that and we're like, man, that'd be so cool to kind of help people implement that into their lives. Because it took the stress of making dinner and lunch kind of for yourself. So we tried doing that for people, doing this, you know, bulk prep and stuff like that. And we did a few of those too, but 
one of those things that we kind of realized like it was way too much work wasn't enough like, enough money weren't getting enough out of it like let it it's taking our attention away from what is working yeah like let's just scratch that also yeah um what we saw again with with the, the whole like you know meal meal um the meal rotating like they knew exactly what they had to shop for every week you know the wife knew exactly how many ounces of pasta she had to cook every day she knew exactly how many pounds of meat she had to pull out of the freezer she knew exactly kind of what the whole next day would look like because they were on this schedule and we thought it was fascinating to be honest with you the whole family was all homeschooled they were they're all in like their 40s now all you know all the kids and everything but so they were saying like you know when they were all at homeschooling and everything they would do one day a month they would do all the prep for the entire month so you're looking you're cooking for one day for the entire month and you just free shit and pull it out as yeah, you yeah, yeah so we kind of tried doing that for people and everything and it just yeah, just yeah. didn't take off didn't work well, and if you're charging $200 for like a high-end dinner, like you're not going to get anywhere near that for that meal prep kind of stuff, right? Again, so we're never, we're never, no matter what we do, uh, we're never willing to jeopardize the quality. Yeah. So we're never not willing to go to the farms. We're never not willing to buy the farm meat, which is no matter what expensive, yeah. traveling around it. So we were doing like, you know, we're going to give you all the receipts and we're going to show you everything we're buying and you're going to give us the money back for the food. And then we're going to charge $500 on top of that for us to do all the, all the shopping, all the prepping. Again, we're driving to farms, so it's a lot of driving around the county and going to different places. Uh, we're going to use our containers that you're going to recycle and give back to us. And then we're going to prep it, get it all labeled, and drop it off, and drop it off to you. And we also, like, we would write kind of sheets and like how to reheat it, what you could put with what, what will go with together, how to dress it, and all other kind of stuff. So like it was, it was a lot of work. And yeah, it just didn't really didn't really work, and it was taking away from our private event business. But then, will and and then it was a lot, which is like we're we're uh, starting to see now and try to like as much as we can move away from. It was a lot of like chasing people down. Hey, are you want to do it again this week? Hey, like are 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 we prepping again for you this week? And the more time we're spending on on, on emails trying to talk to people, the less time we're cooking and doing the things that actually matter. Does anyone help you with anything? Do you ever bring like extra servers to events, or is it just the two of you? We'll bring like my girlfriend who has like fine dining serving experience, but that's only for like parties of like 10 or more. So to answer, no, not really. No. Like, so like, like just us at the events, I do a lot of the serving. Like I do all the talking and I do like all the spieling. We serve the dishes and tell where it all is, everything like that. We both do the plating and he is more so the back of house. I do the yeah. cooking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And we both plate it up and, you know, do all the kind of cool stuff. But yeah, and we both kind of like run the plates out, but I kind of hang out, explain what it all is, answer questions. We promote questions, you know, we uh, kind of, you know, encourage pictures, you know, we encourage posts, you want to film anything, like, you know, like we, we're all about it. We love that we can kind of let the guests be as it evolved or not as they choose to be. So yeah. I, I tell them, hey, you want to come stand next to me while I'm cooking up the stove and asking what I'm doing? I love that. You can, you can. Yo, this is your home. You can do whatever you want here. You know, we are here to show you, put on a show, kind of teach, uh, inspire, you know, anything. So yeah, we encourage everybody to be as in it with us as as we are, as as, as they choose to be. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think people really kind of like that we kind of give them like the opportunity to say, oh yeah, I do want to do that. Or like, no, I'm okay with just sitting here and eating, that's fine. Yeah. And we didn't even get into this. So you guys are twin brothers. Yes. Yeah. What's the, what's the dynamic of that? Like, do you guys work together well? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah no. So we uh, we fucking live together. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we live in the same house. So um, again, we've always been really cool growing up. We were always best friends as we grow up. 
Uh, and then we started going to culinary school in high school. So we, we like went to tech school, uh, MBIT in Jamison right here for culinary arts. And we kind of joke around and tell people like, the only reason why we did that, bro, was because we got an hour and 15 minutes less school every day. And that sounded cool. That sounded fun. And we got to get on a bus and go somewhere else. And, and culinary was like, oh, you get to eat. That, sound, that sounds cool. And, uh, and we fell in love with it. And it, it was the best decision we ever made. But there, the second year, our classes merged together. And so from there, we kind of started working in the kitchen together. And we started doing things together in that space, if you will. Then we got our first jobs. And we, our first job, we obviously got together just through our, our family friend. And so that was our first time working together. And so from that, you know, we always took a lot of pride in working. Our parents had still a good work ethic in us. And so like every time you go to a restaurant and you prove yourself to be good, restaurants were always hiring. So I'd be like, hey man, like, chef, just so you know, like I have a twin brother who's just as good as me and he would love to work here too. And they're like, all right, fucking bring him in. You know what I mean? And so we always kind of ended up like someone would go somewhere, they'd bring another person in. And you know, so that happened a lot of the time. Yeah. And we did work at a few places together for a while. And it was one of those things we saw a lot too. Like, if it's Stephen Nick on Grill and Saute, nobody can compete with us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like tomorrow, if it's fucking John and and Gabby on it, like Tony ain't gonna be the same. You know what I mean? So yeah. we got really good at that. And now you know, again, we live together, we driven together. We are now really falling into our roles yeah. and in the business. The you know, like we were saying when we first started, we just fucking started. Yeah. This ball. So we has balls to the wall. We we know how to cook food. We know how to entertain. Let's just do that. Uh, and we're worried about everything else as it comes. So now we're really kind of starting to fall into our roles here, which was the I think y'all yeah, speak for myself, but which was the most frustrating factor of everything. Yeah. Not knowing who's gonna do what. Are you gonna handle Instagram posts or am I gonna handle? Are you gonna handle emails or am I? Am I gonna handle shopping or are you? Yeah. Am I gonna prep more or are you gonna prep more? Am I gonna cook or are you gonna cook? Now we're really kind of falling into like what our roles are essentially and uh and like the whole teamwork side. And then yeah, the teamwork of it, y'all. Being twins, y'all you know, are obviously our whole fucking lives. <laughs> we were taught at the youngest age possible that we share everything. Yeah. And that's just how it goes. So Putting that into our business and having, I guess, that background really kind of helps us to be able to do what we do. Like today, for an example, you know, he had to get his phone fixed. So, all right, I'm going to do all the shopping, you know, like you need to go do this. All right, dude, well, I'll go handle that. So one of the questions I've really been exploring this season with people is what does it mean to you guys to be a chef? The first thing that I guess I, th- I think like comes up just by feeling into it is like, yo, nourishment. I was looking at the same thing. So nourishment, I feel a sense of responsibility. And again, we probably have a, a, a we probably have different views than some other chefs. Uh, like we're into like the indigenous culture, and we're into yeah, we're into nature. Like we understand that, and you know, like we're supposed to be here. Like humans are no different than any other animal. We just so happen to figure out how to fucking make these computers and cars and and buildings and all this other kind of shit. But like, we're supposed to be stewards of the planet and we're supposed to be taking care of the planet. And I feel like in ours, at least in our business, like we feel personal responsibility to show people of how they can also do that and how they can eat the way that, you know, that promotes kind of generational wealth of the planet and of people. And, and again, and when you do those things, you're more nourished and it feels better for you. It's better for your body. I even think like, I think being a chef, really is the only way at least you know again in my opinion is the only way where you can do what she just said and people will listen to you whilst a teacher you can be a teacher yeah. so yeah to be a chef to me seems like yes you are a teacher 
a teacher of uh, our natural foods, of our nourishing foods, of what the, the earth provides us. We all have to eat. Yeah, we all need to eat, and we all, I think, can kind of agree that a lot of the food that we are eating in our world is fucking poison. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, to us, I think being a chef today is represented or explained as being a steward of the earth, fucking train and teach people that you can live a incredibly nourishing and delicious lifestyle through food and local local community and local things, and and feel great about it. Well, I've really loved having you guys on the show today. Thanks so much for coming on. Just here and yeah, every time. Yeah. Is there anything you need to plug before you get out of here? Any events? Anything? I mean, I'll put all your info in the show notes. Our like website is uh, www. So it's S C R B I S uh, is the way you spell our name and what we call our, our business. So it's service-events.com. Uh, we're on Instagram at service events. Yeah, that's really, that's really about it. Yeah, you can sign up for our, our email. You know, our email list but, um, through our website. Yeah, that's all about it. Awesome. Well, we'll have all that in the show notes. And to all our listeners, this has been Chris with the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. Go to chefswithoutrestaurants.org to find our Facebook group, mailing list, and chef database. The community's free to join. You'll get gig opportunities, advice on building and growing your business, and you'll never miss an episode of our podcast. Have a great week.